Pro Football Jokes. Make it uncomfortable. Welcome back to the Pro Football Jokes podcast. We are here after week two. Um, another exciting week of football. It seems like every week's uh, going to be great uh, this season and really every season. But I am here with Pep the Chep and Reed the unpaid intern once again. Pep, how do you feel about week two in the NFL? Oh, man, my heart is still pounding from that Giants-Panthers game. How about you guys? <laughs> I mean, that, that one came down to the wire. It, I mean, that Giants offense is just a showstopper. Yeah. Kenny Galladay really making an impact. Two snaps played. I mean, good for him. You don't have to work that much and making that much money. It is not looking good for him, though. <laughs> Kadarius Tony snaps going up though. He went from twelve to twenty-eight this week. How many catches did he have? Uh, I think zero. Uh, maybe <laughs> one. Maybe one. Not but I mean, also a stat line from that offense to give you a, a better picture is Sterling Shepard got targeted ten times, ended up with six catches for thirty-four yards, and it, even like the DraftKings advice thing was like, "Look, it's Daniel Jones. Don't know what else to tell you." But even a quiet one from Saquon. I mean, everybody and their mother was expecting a second great week out of Saquon. So you just never know. Yeah, true. I'm sorry, Reed. Jadarius Tony actually had uh, two catches uh, for oh, zero man. yards. Man. But, <laughs> but did have two catches. What a stud. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. Um yeah, I had a, a pretty good week because uh, I actually went on site for um, the Ravens-Dolphins game. Um, and uh, it was a, it turned out to be a pretty good game. Uh, I may have given up on it at one point and gone inside the suite to watch Red Zone because um, I thought the game was over. Apparently not. Tua Tagovailoa throwing six touchdowns. Never count him out. He was capable, capable of. Pep, how are you feeling about Tua? I mean, definitely a confidence booster when you have a game like that. And just a confidence booster in him and that whole offense. You know, I I was a Tyree Kill doubter, a very vocal one this offseason, and thinking, oh, it's just too good to be true over there. But, I mean, he did the yards after catch thing and just crushed it in the end there, put the game on his back. Uh, and just that duo, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, is insane. That's, that's the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. I'll say it right now. I mean, it just—I I was blown away. I was blown away, and very humbled watching that performance. And Gasecki got a touchdown. I mean, you saw all the Gasecki yeah. haters after Week One. There were a lot of feel-good stories in this game. I definitely didn't think it would come together this quickly. Yeah, well, let's let's not go. I mean, it's only been one one good week. I mean, the, you know, week one obviously wasn't that that great, but but I think this is a, a huge you know boost for Tua. Obviously, he played great in this game, and I do think, I, like I said, Waddle and Hill are just incredible. Like Waddle's like a bona fide number one, and obviously Hill is too. So like having two just stud number one receivers with like crazy speed and explosiveness, uh, pretty good for an offense. Yeah, and, you know, on the other side of the ball, we found out that Rashad Bateman is a burner, not just a big body. He can take it all the way. Yeah, what the hell was that slant? And then he just burned everybody. I didn't even think that was possible from him. 
yeah, Lamar also had a, had a great game. Obviously, the the electric so was a seventy nine yard touchdown run, something like uh, that. Yeah, so uh, that that was pretty fun to watch. I did I did watch that one, and then after that, I was like, all right, game's over. <laughs> we can we can go in now. Um, but I did get to watch that final. I mean, I was I was still you know tuning into it uh, and went back and watched it afterward, but. Uh, you know, came back after that that final drive once the Dolphins uh, had the chance to tie it up, and then Justin Tucker gave the Ravens the lead, and then uh, Tua came back again. Um, yeah, that that game was absolutely insane, um, and I mean, it just looked like the Dol- like Waddle and Hill were just uncoverable. Uh, was really just that. I mean, that that was my biggest takeaway from the game, um, as well as Tua played. I just couldn't tell, like, did the secondary for the Ravens just get tired in the fourth quarter? Because it felt like, you know, they weren't getting burned horribly at the start of the game. And then, you know, every five minutes, Red Zone's cutting back to some long touchdown or to just some wide receiver that's just got acres of separation. Yeah, this was like, these they weren't getting beat, like, over the top. These are just, like, crossing routes. Yeah, a lot of them were, and I I think... I don't know. I think it's a good sign for the Mike McDaniel offense. Um, and like even in the first half, even though they weren't, obviously they didn't score much in the first half, they were moving the ball. Like um, you could see a lot of six they had a couple of turnovers um, and uh, you know, some just missed plays. Um, and, uh, but you could even see in the first half that their offense was working. Um, so I think like, I, I think this is a great sign for the dolphins. I don't think two is going to be throwing six touchdowns every week. Um, but knowing that this kind of explosion is possible from them is, uh, you know, is, is more than they could have hoped for at this point. For sure. They're still kicking the tires on Chase Edmonds. Still getting that going, like you said, slowly in the first half. You're starting to see some flashes. Yeah. They, they used Raheem Mostert more, though, actually, in this game. I think he outsnapped him. I stand corrected, listeners. <laughs> I mean, we could be having a fairly different conversation if the Ravens just score from the one-yard line and don't fumble it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think we'd still be like, I I mean, even if if Tua throws six touchdowns at a loss, like I think we'd still be saying, you know, Tua had a great game and like, that's fair. It's it's good for this Dolphins offense. You know, I, I think there are questions about the Ravens defense. You know, they were supposed to have this great secondary. I know that they've had some injuries already, so that's an issue. And uh, you know, Marcus Williams had two great picks in this game, but uh, yeah, it's still uh, it, you wouldn't want to see them giving up uh, six touchdown passes to two, even though two would play great. There was also like a weird rumbling from the Ravens fan base. And, you know, obviously it was an offensive explosion from the Dolphins in this one. But like out of nowhere, almost after this game, these fans start coming out of nowhere. Like, I, I don't recognize this Ravens defense anymore. We don't have Ed Reed. We don't have Ray Lewis. No more Suggs. This is done. It's like that's it's been done for like five or six years. <laughs> And I don't know where this like frustration is coming from, from you guys. Like usually this is a, I'd say like tame fan base, pretty patient. You know, this one really ruffled some feathers among the faithful. Six touchdowns from two will do that to you, I guess. (laughs) True. I will say uh, as someone who's used to going to FedEx field, 
uh, it was so weird just to hear like a whole stadium get behind the team and cheer. For, <laughs> the stadium got so loud. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is what a real NFL stadium is like. <laughs> Why aren't half the fans for the opposing team? Yeah. <laughs> um, so at least at least they did that. But uh, I couldn't get the win. Um, tough. I think Lamar is still um, obviously earning that contract so i'm guessing he's gonna get a lot of money all right well let's move on to another big comeback um and another mobile quarterback in kyler murray um looked like the cardinals offense was absolutely doomed in that first half they were getting destroyed by the raiders um and maybe some questions about the raiders offense they couldn't pull farther ahead and then obviously did nothing in the second half um to just allow this Kyler Murray comeback, but Kyler was uh, was pretty great in the in the second half, despite you know throwing to Greg Dortch and and, and so on. I will not take the Greg Dortch slander anymore. <laughs> He's one of the top receivers in the league. Early overreaction for you. Well, I, li- I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I actually think Greg Dortch is like a, a solid player, but um, I. I I think uh, this was uh, like Kyler Murray just like creating plays on his own. And um, I, I don't know. It's like the, the Cardinals often seems to just be good when they throw out the playbook and let Kyler just play playground football. Got to give him his props. He he had nothing to work with on those two point conversions. <laughs> and he just kept script. It ended up he would just keep scrambling on the left side for a touchdown. But it was you know, they, those plays did take forever, but it felt even longer watching them. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like a bad indictment on Cliff Kingsbury if their <laughs> best offense is, hey, Kyler, just, you know, go run around and make something magical happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like maybe they, they shouldn't just they should just get rid of their playbook altogether. And just, <laughs> I'm hey, sure hey. Kyler Murray would love that. Probably. No it's like, I don't have to spend any time studying. <laughs> this also just felt so classic Raiders. They yeah. had the game. They were controlling it for a bit and just completely fell apart. Derek Carr missing throws, missing opportunities. Devontae Adams had like two catches the whole game. Yeah, this is uh, really one the Raiders should have put away. Like they had chances like the – the Cardinals, like the Cardinals, it wasn't even like a perfect comeback where the Cardinals were just like seemed unstoppable there at the end. Like it seemed like the Cardinals had to work for everything. They got stopped a couple times, um, you know, in overtime they missed the fourth down where uh, it goes through Marquise Brown's hands um, and the Raiders get another chance and Donna Redfro's fumbling on two out of three plays. Uh was, was kind of hilarious. Um, no, no, sorry. I feel bad for Hunter Renfro, but um, it's just, I, I was like, they're so lucky to get that back. And then he, like, how does that happen? I can assure you that Raiders fans do not feel sorry for Hunter Renfro. <laughs> I was reading some tweets and, uh, you know, there's obviously that crowd that was like, if you're actually like insulting players over today's performance, you're a sad person. And then they're like, 
F you, Hunter Renfro took food out my family's mouth today. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, you know, you cut back to the clip, Hunter Renfro's like laying on the ground unconscious. You can imagine Raiders fans just going, fuck you, man. <laughs> it's a talk about going from a Ravens kind of like tame fan base to the Raiders fan base. That's a brutal group. Slapping Kyler Murray in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fans slapped Kyler Murray in the face, and then Kyler like hesitated for a second, yeah. and then he saw a camera. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna act tough here." Yeah, it was like he <laughs> didn't realize what happened at first or something. Imagine how funny that would have been if that guy actually threw the ball before he crossed the goal line. Yeah, that would have been all timer right there. All right, well, that again, uh, not the only comeback of week two. Another huge one. Jets Browns. Uh, who would have thought this could be, you know, in contention for game of the week? But this, yeah, thirty-one to thirty barn burner here. Uh, Joe Flacco <laughs> leading an incredible comeback. Uh, gets the ball back with two minutes left, no timeouts, down thirteen points thanks to a missed Cade York extra point. Um, throws a touchdown pass that just everybody just watches sail right over their head. To Corey Davis, they get the onside kick and uh, go down and score again. Um, I know it's not the same scenario, but it just shades of Jacoby Jones against the Broncos. Really, it definitely <laughs> reminded me of that too. Because of games like this, Joe Flacco through two weeks leads the NFL in passing attempts, 14 more than Joe Burrow. <laughs> and, you know, all this Elijah Moore hype, I was on the Elijah Moore hype train, burn it right now. It's Garrett Wilson's offense. He got a million targets in that game. Dude, Garrett Wilson looked great in that game. Like, he could have had more if, like, Joe Flacco missed him on a couple plays. Uh, he dropped a pass that he should have had. I mean, obviously that's on him, but, like, he's getting – He's getting separation. He moves like I feel like he moves like similar like the Devonte Adams and how he gets open. And uh, I, I don't know. It's just uh, watching him was was a treat in this game. I do like Elijah Moore as a player as well, uh, but uh, I don't know that the Jets' offense is going to be good enough to support two good receivers in fantasy. But you know, yeah, it can only support one <laughs> one fantasy receiver right now. And I guess while it's still under Flacco's reign, that's the guy. Yeah, and I, I know you were all over it because I saw you pick him up in just about every league. So, yeah, I, I did. I definitely tried to pick him up everywhere I could this week. Um, I fortunately got him in Dynasty, so I, my Dynasty team needed that. So, but uh, yeah, I, I I almost didn't draft him just because I liked Elijah Moore. Um, but I'm like, that's stupid. I, I like Garrett Wilson as a player. Let me just draft him. And uh, right now, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, sorry, Braxton Berrios lovers. Say, yeah. he's, a, <laughs> he's a thing of the past, too. Yeah, that's what people were talking about earlier. They were like, yeah, Garrett Wilson's not even going to win the slot receiver job from Braxton Berrios. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a stupid take. Delete those tweets right now <laughs> while you can. This is one of those training camp stories. He's just, just like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. He's he's the one this year. It's been more and more of that. It's weird how it switched from like yeah, receivers need a year or two to adjust, and now we're just seeing they need the preseason studs. <laughs> the preseason they will struggle, and maybe week one, 
and yep. then uh, and then they're all stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's true for every single receiver, no yep. exceptions. Um, also, uh, Nick Chubb took some flack for uh, not he could have just gone down at the one uh, on his touchdown run, and they could have run out the clock. Um, He's done it before. Yeah, um, I, I don't blame Nick Chubb though. Yeah, does it, does anyone want to give Nick Chubb some flack for this? I will defend Nick Chubb and make up a quote for him, saying, "Quote: It was the Jets. <laughs> what did you expect?" <laughs> yeah it's like there there are so many things that can go wrong with like he because first of all they had he would have gone down like the exact right spot to get the first down and not score um so he risks not getting the first down and then i mean you still probably win obviously but you can miss a field goal that's possible i mean anything's going to be just as unlikely as what happens if you're going to blame Nick Chubb, then blame the hands team on the onside kick to just recover it or knock it out of bounds or something. Or blame <laughs> like, the defense and blame Miles Garrett for letting Joe Flacco lead two drives and scoring twice on you in like a minute. just watching Corey Davis run by you and not even <laughs> trying to defend him. Yeah. Nick Chubb is like the most team-oriented guy on the Browns. I don't want him catching any flack. Yeah, and, and like the touchdown like people would be like you you shouldn't care about individual stats but like that actually does matter for these players when contract time comes around and like when you Thank think you. it's not really it shouldn't affect the outcome of the game in that situation so like he's obviously just going to score the touchdown yeah. and nick chubb plays fantasy too guys <laughs> i don't know that i just made that up <laughs> he's not happy with kareem hunt stealing his touchdowns last week he's like i'm i'm getting three this all right i think we spent enough time on jets browns um, even though it was a good game, let's uh, let's talk about a game that mattered probably a little bit more: the Thursday night game. Um, Chargers Chiefs uh, looked like the Chargers took the early lead. I mean, they did take the early lead, um, and then uh, Chiefs came back, and obviously the uh, as uh, Kirk Herbstreit would say that uh, pick six on the one yard line was uh, was a critical play. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Poor, Ger- yeah. poor Gerald. How Everett. does this make you feel about Gerald Everett, Alex? Uh, hey, I, I'm I'm fine with him. He still scored me like ten plus points. Uh, that's that's all I can ask out of Gerald Everett. He was signaling to come off the field. Like, yeah, it's not not all his fault. He, you know, a surprising name in this offense, DeAndre Carter, was getting his targets in the absence of Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, come on, you know, us as uh, Commanders fans, and then yeah, Rick Carter is a beast. Goes on to do better things. Yeah, Mike Williams obviously had the big game, um, and then uh, Justin Herbert getting hurt at the end. Um, I think we were texting that he probably should have been taken out of this game. I just, like, I know I'm biased as a Bengals fan, and Burrow and Herbert get compared all the time, but, like, it just felt weird the amount of praise Herbert got to go and like lose by three instead of 10. Like it just, the game was gone. There's no point in him going in there. Yeah. They they should have taken him out. I mean, I feel like this, I mean, obviously, you know, Herbert's going to want to go in there, but like, I feel like as a coaching staff, you should just be like, Hey, you know, this game's pretty much over unless they pull uh, the Browns and just don't defend us. So like, Let's not risk our franchise quarterback who uh, just 
<laughs> it was so odd. Like the third down, third and one, where he could have easily scrambled and got the first down and just like wilts over and just throws <laughs> it in the ground. I was like, get this man off the field. Yeah. At that point, I was like, I, I think I texted you guys. I'm like, Chase Daniel has got to be a better option at this yeah. point. Um, and then, of course, right after that, he throws like an incredible pass yeah, in the middle. Of the dart game. on fourth down. Yeah. Um, he just wants to keep up his amazing fourth down plays like he had yeah. at the Raiders last year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all speaking of fourth downs, like Rand Staley is losing his nerve a little bit. I mean, there were a couple of fourth and twos from midfield that I felt like they should have gone for. I'm sure he's feeling the pressure. I mean, he kind of rose to fame last year with how gutsy he was, and they missed the playoffs, partially due to a few of those fourth downs not going their way in their own territory. Yeah, I just feel like that's kind of what made him a fun team, too. Um, and, I, I mean, these, but these weren't, like, even in their own t- Like, I feel like these were ones that, like, a lot of coaches would have gone for, and I felt like he should have. He should he like he doesn't have to rein it in that much like rein it in you don't have to go for it fourth and six from like your own thirty like which he did I think he did last year at one point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like you have uh, you, you have a great offense. Your quarterback spend money on fourth down. Like well, I don't I think they should be a little more aggressive on fourth down at least. I mean I agree. I'd like to see more fourth down attempts just across the league especially if you're around the 50 or in plus territory just because i don't know it's more exciting and i feel like the stats lend itself to that yeah if it's like fourth and two or less and you're at least you know 45 plus i'd say you know like your own like i i'd say around midfield or or in plus territory i i would say you can you should probably go for it (laughs) and Obviously, that's not a hot take. Like that's yeah, kind of what the analytics say. I will say I just I don't know how that interception's overturned. I'm sorry, I got to bring it up again. I don't get it. What yeah. angle did they see to change that? It was yeah, a huge I, call. Yeah, I don't. I, they must have had an angle that we didn't. I I don't know because like it didn't. Like, I mean, I could see how it could have fallen out of his hand, but, like, you couldn't see it. Like, he has his hand on it, and, like, he could easily be, like, you can have control of the ball with one hand on it. Like, yeah. Especially as an NFL player who has big hands, probably. Oh, it's Asante Samuel. I don't, I actually don't know how big Asante Samuel's hands are. He seems to have trouble catching the ball. (laughs) But, but still, you can. You can't say that he does like you can't know that he doesn't have control there um, yeah. unless you see some movement that I didn't see. But uh, I mean, they seem pretty convinced about it, so I don't know. Maybe it's just something we we didn't see. I don't know. I don't know. What did you guys think of the Amazon broadcast? I thought it was fine, except there were a couple points where like the audio kit was like off from the the visual for me did that happen to you guys at all it didn't okay well yeah i had to like back out and like go go back into the the thing because like when i i think when i first turned it on or might have been like a few minutes into it that like i started hearing like al michaels like being like oh patrick holmes takes the snap and they were like still like i could see them still in the huddle and the crowd would be like oh 
I was like, I, I haven't seen anything happen yet. Something's wrong. I will say, some. I texted you all this, but like something just felt off. I don't know if Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels are just still working on the chemistry, or Al Michaels just didn't care. But there just like was weirdly no excitement on any of like the big plays. Like when the Chargers scored at the end, yeah, like the game's probably over. But I don't even think Al Michaels changed the tone or anything. It was just like, and there's a touchdown. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of always been Al Michaels. Like he never gets like super excited about it. Um, And then, you know, Chris Collinsworth would always come in and be like, wow. (laughs) Uh, And I I don't know. I think that was kind of a good dynamic between them. But I do like every time I hear Al Michaels' voice, it's just like comforting to me. It's classic. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Something felt weird. And I love Kirk Herbstreet, so maybe it'll get better. It's an adjustment for all of us. I just really miss that Al Michaels on the Sunday night when you're having the Sunday night scaries. <laughs> now we're in this Thursday night ramping up for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's an adjustment for everybody. Yeah. I find it weird hearing uh, uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on Monday night. That it's is like, I feel like it should be like one o'clock on a Sunday and it's like <laughs> Monday night. <laughs> you know, and it, we had this off season of all this talent going across teams. We have all this talent going across networks and days and it's just change all over the place this season. And we lost Gus Johnson, unfortunately. He's not dead. Just he's don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, uh, have you guys heard Greg Olson bunch this year? I, I don't think I've, I have not at all. I don't know if I've just haven't noticed him or if I just haven't watched the game with him. He is kind of a like his voice seamless seamlessly fits into the red zone like broadcast and stuff. But he, I think he's on the top team for Fox. Yeah, he is. That's why. But like, I feel like I haven't, I just haven't watched the top. <laughs> he team just melds into every other <laughs> voice that there is. There's nothing like unique. Yeah, he's just that white guy voice. <laughs> Let's be honest here. All right, what other games uh, this week were good? I feel like those were kind of like the big ones, and then well. Uh, one one I wanted to just bring up real quick. It it wasn't good. <laughs> it was probably the worst. Was Broncos Texans. The Broncos fans have reached a breaking point already with Nathaniel Hackett getting. They were booing him um, <laughs> at the game, and uh, there was a great Sports Illustrated article today that was kind of detailing and reminded me that the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett simply to get Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and then they didn't get Aaron Rodgers. They went with their backup, Russell Wilson. And then the ownership sold the team. So Hackett is in this interesting spot where he's trying to prove himself to new ownership now and to these new fans. And they kind of went through the coaching staff and guys he hired. And, you know, he went and hired a bunch of young guys, but to these positions where they don't have much experience. And Hackett himself, you know, obviously trying to adjust to head coaching he hasn't been the play caller since like 2018 in Jacksonville and he he's got fired, right? play calling right now. Yeah. So it's a, a messy little coaching situation. They're trying to figure out, I guess, from an outsider's perspective, I just, I thought it was interesting, like for these AFC West teams, you know, a couple <laughs> new coaching staffs on the Raiders Broncos might be an issue. Well, especially like you mentioned all that, all that turnover and new staff, and the team still has expectations of playoffs, potentially Super Bowl. It's not like they'll give him a few years to figure it out. 
they want to win right now. Yeah, and it just seems like there's so many different pages people are on. Hackett has to like report to Wilson, and you know oh, this is no. Russell Wilson's offense. That's not good. Russell Wilson yeah. was frustrated in Seattle that he didn't have enough say in the offense. Now I, he might have too much say yeah. in what they do. These deep passes, it's it's just messy over there. Yeah, that that's tough. Uh, I didn't even think about that. You know, with Hackett about how he's like, yeah, basically just not really wanted and like i mean people were talking about like this might be like the worst first two games that a coach has had in their debut just from like a game management decision perspective because i mean you don't have that much i didn't really watch this game um because i mean why would i Uh, (laughs) uh, i heard there were a few more questionable decisions from hackett um and figuring things out and obviously the fiasco in week one um so I, this is this is tough. Could is there a possibility that Hackett gets fired midseason from his first uh, year coaching? Well, thanks to Urban Meyer, the bar is very <laughs> very low. Uh, I guess a plus for the Broncos. Well, he he can go fired. and say, "Oh, Urban Meyer was fired midseason." So like now there's precedent for that. I yeah. know if Hackett's going out to bars and I was stuff. About to say, we got to start like, seeing some die. leaked videos with like 18 year olds. Just bad I, stuff. I, Broncos fans might just start like doctoring something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might get to that point. You got a lot of creative folks in Colorado yeah. to pull it off. But I mean, I guess a plus this game, you're going to say, oh, it's the Texans, but the defense held up nicely amidst all of that kind of chaos. And yeah, way to slow down Davis Mills and the Texans. Kept him the nine points, right? Yep. Nine points. I mean, you're, you're stopping guys like Rex Burkhead <laughs> and Damian Pierce. Yeah. Um, Brandon Cooks was an easy bench this week, but yeah. it's beside the point. Cortland Sutton, uh, with Judy out, is going to be the guy that gets all the targets. That's all you need to know from this game. Did I just miss that from my Bengals depression? Did Judy get hurt? I think he did. They cut to the game so sparingly that you only got glimpses <laughs> and it would just it would cut back to a Cortland Sutton catch hell yeah yeah all right well um Reeb I guess uh we should uh we should talk about the Bengals um, <laughs> we, we don't need to because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about last week how like the, the Cowboys might be the worst team in football but somehow the Bengals managed to lose to them yeah um, there's there's just something where is your panic meter right now there's something with the Bengals. It's not like 10 out of 10. I'm not like freaking out. Only it will like be 10 out of 10 on Sunday at like four o'clock if they are 0 and three. <laughs> but I don't there's just there's just something off and you know people want to point to like, well, they didn't play anybody in the preseason games. Burrow had an appendectomy. It just it all feels weird. It all feels off. Backup quarterbacks always just torch the Bengals I just it's weird it's like a constant throughout coaches except for Josh Johnson last year they always get like wrecked by backup quarterbacks I I do like in the middle of the game I remember you texting being like how is our offensive line worse like it's do, just, <laughs> do you I really don't think it's worse now with the additions they've made so it's weird because the people that they add, besides Lael Collins, um, the people they added, like Karras has been fine, Kappa's been fine, even Volson graded out PFF like high 80s. 
the, like the interior is good for whatever Jonah Williams has like forgotten how to play football and Leo Collins he's got a back injury I guess but he's fallen down every rep and the communication's bad Mixon has never been a good pass blocker but he's even worse now there's <laughs> there is a video of the two-point conversion I wanted to send to y'all um they had Samaj P. Ryan one-on-one with Micah Parsons like that was the design and he like <laughs> did the best stone wall of Micah Parsons the whole game. I was like, all right, <laughs> Samaje Pirine, right tackle, right left tackle. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I don't know, man. And like I see stuff about how everyone's playing Tampa two against the Bengals. Tampa two, blah blah blah, it, um, eliminates the deep threat, eliminates the big ball. Like that's it's so stupid. <laughs> I, like. <laughs> How how are your playmakers so good? And then the excuse is, oh well, they just have to play Tampa two, and then you know your good players are no longer good. <laughs> there's nothing there's, we can do. There's, there's nothing. There's no adjustment that we can. It's <laughs> just um, I don't get it. And Zach Taylor, as a play caller, I think needs to take a look in the mirror because when people on Twitter are calling out your plays, it's never a good sign. <laughs> when people are saying like, yeah, 90% of the time when Burrow's in, under center, they run it. And 90% of the time he's in shotgun, they throw it. Like, you're going to get teed off on, man. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's I think a bad. lot of yeah, the offensive line, like, yeah, definitely you have to look at coaching, especially once you make these additions. And, like, I think it's a big thing, like, across the league that, like, we've seen, like, some of the, you know, better offensive line coach. They always tend to have good offensive lines. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, yeah, like you you gave Pollock the, you know, quote-unquote glass eaters that he wanted. You got him, I mean, a fourth rounder, but a fourth rounder that they like, and three new starters, and they're worse. Like, at some point, it's not really on the players. At some point, it's on your play calling on the techniques that you're teaching them on the scheme, what have you like, yeah, they by all accounts were praised by everyone that they addressed the offensive line and they're worse. So at some point, you know, it's going to turn to the coaches and I would be okay getting rid of Frank Pollock because you're not going to have a Super Bowl window forever. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see uh, next week against the Jets. That'll be the real test. Uh, I mean, even this that. game, it forced Joe Burrow to delete the social media apps off his phone. I saw that today, <laughs> and I like as soon as I saw that, I thought, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> that person you tweeted was right. Yeah, you guys are gonna say shut up and you can cut me off, but I mean, you know, the Cowboys—they used Tony Pollard finally this game. I mean, not finally, but got a better workload and got better results. I was texting y'all that, or maybe I was talking to the people there or that were watching the game with us. Just at the end of the game, they weirdly put Zeke back in and they couldn't get any rushing going. And I was like, all right, this is what we need. <laughs> Keep Zeke in the game. Because like, at this point, Tony Pollard is just better all around. Like, I think yeah. Zeke, is just, Zeke is just done. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Zeke is just is just done. Yeah, yeah, that's a storyline there that 
will continue to evolve in this season, I'm sure. Yeah. The other yeah. thing before we move on, I don't... The defense has been very good for the Bengals, but it's weird that they're not getting the big plays. Like, they're not getting sacks. They're not really getting turnovers. And, yeah. I like, I got to put some amount of flack on Trey Hendrickson. Like, he's been fine, but he's also gone up against a bad left tackle on the Steelers and a rookie left tackle for the Cowboys. And I don't believe he's gotten a sack yet. He's gotten pressures. Yeah. But not a lot. Yeah. I would would expect someone like Trey (laughs) Hendrickson to be like whooping on these guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not handing out cookies to the Bengals for, you know, beating up on Mr. Bisky and Cooper Rush. Um, And, but like, I also don't think they haven't been, well, I'm saying like that they've, they've held them down. I mean, they haven't like allowed a lot, but I'm also not going to like worry that they're not getting enough big plays from their defense against these guys. I mean, especially when, the, the other team is up for most of the game and they can kind of play conservatively. That is true. I mean, that going down 14 to three in two drives is not a recipe for success. Right. Yeah. You might just need this matchup against the jets this week. You know, mentioned earlier, Joe Burrow and Joe well, Flacco. We, we were saying that last week about the Cowboys though. <laughs> no, but this, this one, these guys lead the NFL in pass attempts, both quarterbacks. I mean, could see the Bengals defense just laying over and letting the Jets just have their day with them. But this would also be the the game where the Bengals kind of come back with these bombs to Jamar Chase and figure it out. And I, I hope so. Kind of happy. Yeah, no, I, I think they should. But yeah, I'm just um, after after last week and just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> no, for real. This is the get right game. <laughs> and there aren't that many. Two and O teams. There's like four two and O teams. So I, yeah, like I mean, every other. It's not like a runaway yet. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. previous seasons, O and two felt like, oh damn, this is a huge problem. But it is this just is tough. Kinda... Like those were two very winnable games, especially yeah, when our sure. next games are like the Dolphins and then the Ravens. After that, like they very realistically could be one and four at the end of the stretch. Yeah, it's possible, but I mean, I. I... Let's let's let them try to get a get a right game at least this week. Um, you know they're they're one game out of the division lead, so you know they're they're that close. That is true. <laughs> All right. Speaking of weak divisions, uh, let's talk about the uh, Colts and Jaguars. Um, Colts <laughs> haven't won in Jacksonville since like um, 1944, I think. I did not know that. Uh, that's a joke, obviously. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they play Jacksonville literally every year, right? like, and the Jaguars have only been a team since like '96. They haven't so, won since their starting running back was Dominique Rhodes. It's been it's been like eight years that, since they won Jacksonville or something like that. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was uh, not a good game by the Colts. By really anyone on the Colts. Um, I mean, John Taylor was like fine, I guess, but it, I, in the first half, he had five carries for five yards. It's like, why? Yeah. Why are you not giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor more? What is this like? Is he trying to like fake him out by saying, we have Jonathan Taylor? He's right here, but no, we're just going to pass it. Coach is in really, a game where Michael Pittman is not playing. They really <laughs> seem to just overthink it sometimes. Yeah. 
I mean, they, they didn't run a lot of plays in the first half because they were, you know, they were, they were just going three and out and stuff. <laughs> like, you got it. And, like, they were obviously loaded the box against Jonathan Taylor with them having no receivers. But, like, you got to use it to some – like, I feel like they – they gotta like use play action more at least like if they're if they're doing that um, and they weren't using a lot of play action I, on the first couple plays they ran a nice couple of like screens to Naheem Hines and I felt like that was a good way to like, use one of their playmakers since they didn't have any playmakers at receiver um, and then I kind of stopped doing that for the rest of the game so I, I don't really know. I, I thought it wasn't the best coaching job from Frank Reich who I really like as a coach. Um, the Jaguars looked like pretty good. Like I said, they they looked like a fun functional offense. Um, now um, they weren't doing things like it wasn't like a super explosive game, like the Dolphins or anything like that. But they were moving the ball pretty consistently. Um, it felt like things were just a lot easier for their offense than it was for the Colts' offense. Christian yeah, Kurt, two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I keep wanting Zay Jones to be a thing. Still think he'll break out, but right now this is Christian Kirk's offense. Yeah, they should have given him more money. <laughs> I think so. ETN had a few good plays. Trevor Lawrence looked like a functional quarterback. It was oh all... my gosh, people are trying to pull the plug on ETN because really? of James Robinson's workload. James Robinson outtouched him twenty-one to twelve. I mean, James Robinson's like a really good player. He's good, yeah. I think they can coexist. Yeah. I, I yeah, agree. So that's that's getting sorted out. Yeah, and uh, I will I will say like the like Trevor Lawrence delivered like a really nice pass to Malagnu deep that uh, got uh, that you know went through his hands. It was a tough catch for sure. Um, so I'm not like blaming Malagnu, but um, like he he played really well in this game. Um, and Matt on the other side, Matt Ryan, I, like you could kind of see like him. He looks very old. Like his arm strength is like you can very noticeably like not there. His he obviously has like zero mobility. Um, it just looks embarrassing when he tries is to it, escape the pocket. Is it a fair question at this point? Would you rather have Matt Ryan or Joe Flacco? <laughs> it's it's a fair question. Um, I think I'd still rather have Matt Ryan. Like he's. I've I've still seen him make some like when when he can kind of be in rhythm and you know make plays like he can still still do he's still not like a terrible quarterback I don't think but uh, I wouldn't want him as my starter. Let me tell you that. It's just are the Colts missing? I mean I guess they're missing like um Pittman. Are they missing? Yeah. Is is Shaquille Leonard still out or is he back? Uh, I think he was out this game, or at least I, I, th- I think he was out because I didn't notice him out there on the field. I feel like he's usually uh, usually pretty noticeable. I just um, don't understand how a team that was in the playoffs until the week 17 looks so much worse when, like, you theoretically upgraded a quarterback. And well, they, I'll tell you right now, they did not upgrade a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that that would answer. <laughs> uh, and like, I, I liked the move. Like I thought people were kind of crazy when they were just being like, Oh yeah, it's a clear upgrade a quarterback. Cause I, I think Carson Wentz is like the better quarterback, not by much, but 
uh, even like prior to this year, I thought Carson Wentz was like the better quarterback, but Matt Ryan might have been a better fit in their system. And they obviously needed to just kind of move on from Carson Wentz. Like Matt Ryan was just what they could get um, as a you know replacement level quarterback. Um, and I, I think that was the better way to read it. Um, but I think even for that, like Matt Ryan's been less than what you would have expected um, at this point. But uh, maybe he can improve. Uh, and again, like they have nothing ever there out there, receiver with Michael Pittman out there. Cause Paris uh, Campbell, he had zero catches. Ashton Doolin ended up with like 13 fantasy points. What happened to Zach Pascal? He's in Philadelphia. Oh, now. shit. Yeah. That's what's wrong. That's the problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> He's not there to catch three touchdowns, three catches, three yards. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Jaguars leading the AFC South. With one win. Four. One and one. Yep. The only team in that division with the win, right? Correct. <laughs> so good job, Jaguars. <laughs> Good job, AFC South. You're doing exactly what we all thought you would. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to uh, one more divisional matchup: the Bucks and the Saints. Um, not the most exciting game, but Bucks eked out a win here. Uh, Saints offense really had nothing going. It got a little feisty there at the end, at least. I'll tell you right now. Well, it's not a secret. Marshawn Lattimore owns Mike Evans. <laughs> Lives in that guy's head rent-free. Shuts him down every time they play. Mike Evans tries to fight him every time they play because of it. Yeah, and except, yeah, he'll say, oh, he talked crap to Tom Brady. <laughs> no, he's just mad. <laughs> except the one game where Mike Evans went off was the, the game that Ryan Fitzpatrick played for the Bucks. There we go. That was the game that won me the whole uh, <laughs> the whole Survivor League right there. That was, yeah. Everybody, everybody picked <laughs> the Saints, and I picked the Ravens over the Bills starting uh, Peterman. What a day that was. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That was actually um, – they were doing like – in the Ravens game, they did like some Ravens trivia in the middle of the game, and they were like, what was the Ravens' biggest week one – who did the Ravens beat for their biggest week one win? Um and like the, uh, I was, uh, and I immediately was like the Bills. It was the Nathan Peterman game, <laughs> and everybody else was like, "Oh, it's probably the." They gave like three options, like the Bills, the Browns, or somebody else. And everybody was like, "Oh, it's got to be the Browns." I'm like, "No, no, trust me, it, it was the Bills." <laughs> game, and that was you just right. hear Nate Peterman. You're like five interceptions, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a uh, honestly. It, this will sound ridiculous to you guys, but the Bucks. That almost didn't feel like a a win to them. Minus like Jameis throwing like three picks in a minute near the end there. It was uh it it just felt like a tie game the whole time. It felt yeah, like we were talking about before the podcast. Like I thought the game was gonna end nine zero. Like Brady was getting pissed, other players on the Bucks are getting pissed. It just it it felt like the Saints had him right where they wanted him, and then that fight happened and it kind of switched. Brady threw a couple touchdowns, Winston threw a couple picks, and it just very quickly turned on its head. Brady was so frustrated this game. I mean, with guys out, he was he targeted Scotty Miller so many times. It was so forced. Yeah, I do wonder though, like if at the end of the season, if we're going to be saying the Bucks are the best defense in football, though, because I mean it's hard to tell after just two weeks. But they've had two pretty 
pretty good performances here. Yeah, I mean, they were missing Camara, but I don't yeah. think that would have made well, that just, much of a difference. Winston also has like four fractured spine, like, like discs in his spine or something. I know, but even um, like I've been like impressed at how well their how good their secondaries look. Like I know, you know, Cowboys obviously you know had nothing at receiver other than CD Lamb, but even CD Lamb they were playing pretty well, even one on one, and apparently like, Noah fucking Brown. <laughs> yeah, see, Noah Brown uh, would be good against uh, Bengals defense. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, they they have the Packers this upcoming week, so that, that'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, no obviously. Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin. Yeah, um, I that that I probably smashing the under in that game again. Um, no, I, I'm not sure what the what the lines at, but. I can't imagine it'd be high. It'd be low enough that I would want to take the over sneaky touchdown score. Brashad Perriman does it again. Two weeks in a row. Yeah. Such a beast. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonder if Julio Jones will be back, but uh, he was kind of a late, like scratch here. Is he hurt? Yeah, he was hurt. Hmm. <laughs> but it was like, nobody really knew until like, the, the, the day before and then I was like yeah Julio Jones or what else is new gotta uh, stay post on Russell Gage in this midst of Bucks receivers I forgot about him yeah true true my uh, focus is gonna be on where Bruce Arians is on the sideline during the game <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> when it cut to the Bucks or yeah the the Bucks sideline during that fight and Bruce Arians is like there it's like, it's like the what f- are you doing there why are you not up in a booth just watching the game with the other like executives yeah that's kind of weird i don't even know how did brady not put in your contract that you're not allowed within like brady <laughs> brady's like out there like writing his contract <laughs> <laughs> i think it's enough on that game um i guess we should uh touch on the commander's lines game um commanders win 100 to nothing um <laughs> <laughs> totally didn't allow Amon Ross St. Brown to go crazy and DeAndre Swift to somehow maximize his 12 touches. You know, when you fall down and you still have enough space to run for the touchdown, <laughs> things aren't looking good. I, I've seen, you know, our fan base, I don't even want to call it R anymore. I, I've detached myself so much from it all. Everybody's pointing at this and that and this player and and Ron did this. It's like, dude, they just came into the game and the Lions kicked them in the teeth, just beat the shit out of them. So the first half. Buzzsaw of an offense. Yeah. I think the commanders have a fun offense too, though. Um, like they got it going there in the second half. It's like they Carson yeah. went I mean, it was a game. And it seemed like in the second half they were like, yeah, now we remember how to score. And like, again, everybody's doing something. Samuel, uh, McLaurin, and uh Dotson all like had some some crucial plays there um and uh Gibson's still looking good so I mean like I think this offense is still fun um you just hope they don't go into lulls like that where Carson Wentz is just like holding the ball forever um that that was kind of the biggest thing I saw in that first half that was that was killing him like Hutchinson like got like three sacks and they were all like I I I want to see like the average time to throw for Carson Wentz on those three sacks because I feel like it was like it was like five seconds. 
It also would have been nice, yeah, to see the defense get a stop there in the second half when we were trying to make that comeback. But you know, it is what Amon it is. Ra is too good. He is too good. He's really good. He's like he's had what like six straight games with like eight plus catches and a touchdown. Yep. And then he decided to roast Deami Brown, which is a pretty good joke. Did he? I didn't see that. He was just like, I don't know if he was asked about it or what, but he just like, because I guess Deami Brown was drafted before him and he just came out and said like, yeah, he wasn't really out there much. I didn't notice him. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It would have been nice if we had drafted Amon Ross St. Brown, but I I like our receivers now. Um, But yeah, it still still would like having Amon Ross St. Brown. All right, let's move on to the Monday night games. I don't think there are any well, there are Sunday games that are worth talking about. Like Bears and Packers played on Sunday night. Nobody cares. <laughs> Packers won. Bears the are... oldest rivalry in football. Oh, yeah. The Bears are so bad. <laughs> they really are. Like they, <laughs> they don't really want to throw the football. And they, I mean, they're not good enough to compensate for that. So, uh... it, I, I saw Cole Komet trending. I had to click on that. And it was just clips of Cole Kmet getting beaten in every blocking situation <laughs> possible. The guy has zero fantasy points through two weeks. This is rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, all those people hoping for the Cole Kmet breakout season um, might not be getting their wish. Uh, I did, actually, uh, one more thing on Sunday that I don't really care about the game, but obviously we should talk about it. Uh, Trey Lance, done for the year, and Jimmy G is back in our lives. I would just like to say my overreaction last podcast, I was not wishing for a Trey Lance injury. <laughs> I did not want him to get hurt, and I'm wishing him the best, speediest recovery. Yeah. But, uh, yes. yeah, now it's time for Jimmy G. I mean, you know, you saw it immediately when he came into that game. The whole swagger of the team changed, and from here on – you can you know how this offense is going to work. Debo is going to get fed like crazy. You know how the Jimmy G 49ers work. And I yeah. think they're a better team now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think they're uh, – well, I, I don't want to say they're the favorite for the division. I mean, the Rams are still there, and but certainly they're, they're up there um, and got a good shot at it. So, all right, let's talk about the Monday games. Uh, doubleheader for some reason. I think they're doing a, a couple doubleheaders on Monday night this year. I did not like the broadcast of it. Don't like, why did they keep going to some like weird dual cast showing yeah. updates of the other game? Like, I'll just, if I want to watch <laughs> that game, I'll just turn to it. <laughs> yeah. It's it was kind of stupid because like yeah I I just had one game on I have two two TVs got one game on each TV and it was just confusing when they I was like watching two games two of the same game on two TVs because like they <laughs> when they went back to it I'm like oh, it's weird but I guess they're just catering to people who are normal and only have one game up at a time. Well, I also feel bad for like one broadcast is the Steve Levy broadcast <laughs> and then one is. Troy Aikman, Joe Buck. Yeah, yeah. But it really? was, it made it easy on which TV to have audio on. Exactly. I, it was one's like, about actual football and one's about some success story of a third string player <laughs> overcame <laughs> adversity. Yeah. 
But uh, neither game was very competitive. The uh, the Bills still were as dominant as they were in week one, probably more so. Um, and this was without Gabe Davis. Um, it was just the Stefan Diggs show, and uh, they still looked as good as ever. He looked more than capable of carrying the weight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jake Kumaro even getting in there a little bit. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this uh, Josh Allen's just uh, definitely the MVP leader right now. Um, and it uh, doesn't look like anybody's stopping him anytime soon. I was about to say, let's just let's be real. They look unstoppable right now. They, they do. And they pretty much looked unstoppable, like the, or their offense did at the end of the last year. Um, and now their defense is kind of stepping up with it. It's like, uh, how is anybody going to beat this team? Yeah. Um, but, of course, it's only September. There are still a lot of changes. There are going to be injuries. There's going to be a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, definitely looking like the favorite right now. Um, and then uh, I told you the other, in the other game, the winner of this game was going to be getting uh, hyped to be the favorite in the NFC. And I think that's kind of happened with the Eagles. Um, people are, uh, are jumping aboard the bandwagon. Um Certainly um, classic uh, Monday Night Kirk performance, um, as much as I love Kirk Cousins. And I honestly don't think he played that bad for most of the game. Um, like, he, he, I thought he was good at the beginning. Uh, he just wasn't getting a lot of help. He had that Irv Smith drop that could have been a long touchdown, uh, which was a great throw under pressure. Um, and then the thing with Kirk is just once things start to go bad, he does just kind of snowball, like, where he just threw it up there like on two consecutive plays uh, to the end zone and the second one gets picked. The first one probably should have gotten picked. Um, And it looked like he just kind of, he was just like, Oh, Justin Jefferson's up. It it was, it was literally the meme. Like, ah, fuck it. Justin Jefferson's out there somewhere. (laughs) Darius Slay is also out there somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This prompted a lot more outrage at Matt Patricia. Because Matt Patricia and Darius Slay had beef in Detroit, and because of that, shipped him away to <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia. So Lions fans were still like, "Oh fuck you, Matt Patricia!" Like, yeah. watch Darius Slay shut down. But now Justin they have Jefferson. Jeff Okuda. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, like they, yeah. Totally. It's just like the Vikings shift away Stefan Diggs and replacing <laughs> Christian Jefferson. It's the, it's the same thing. <laughs> exact same thing. And you know, speaking of those Vikings receivers, man, I think it's. Uh, end of the road for Adam Thielen getting outplayed by KJ Osborne now. Yeah. And also the booing Jalen Rager. I mean, come on. Like I, I was trying to throw Philly a bone earlier last, on the last pod when I was like, Oh yeah, even they wouldn't didn't boo Donovan McNabb. Like they, you know, I know we were talking about booing Russell Wilson, but like, there's, this is uh, so much worse. There's a hundred percent chance they're going to boo their first round bust Jalen Rager. This is so much worse just because, like, you're you're booing a, a kid, basically, for for failing in the NFL. Exactly. Like, it's like he's, like, kick him while he's down. He's he's bat- relegated to, like, special teams and, like, you know, as a first-round player. and uh, He's not on your team anymore, so it's not like he's hurting you. And you're booing him like Imagine. if he did something against you, then I understand it or starting against you. But you're you're booing somebody who's has nothing nothing going for them. Imagine the cheers 
he could have gotten though from Philly fans because he was returning kicks, right? Yeah. Imagine if he had just fumbled a kick and <laughs> Philly returned it or got it. And the biggest cheers he got from Philly fans of his entire career. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Should have just done that. I mean, might as well have. It wouldn't have changed anything in the game. <laughs> he still would have lost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not too worried about the Vikings. Um, and I'm also not, like, that high on the Eagles. Like, I think the Eagles are a really good team, and I think they should be up there with the NFC because I don't think anybody separated themselves in the NFC. Um, it, I, I think they have a little bit at this point because it's only been two weeks. But I'm not, like, rushing to put them in the Super Bowl at this point. Yeah, I'm not. Certainly not. Um, definitely looking good. I think they'll probably crash back to earth a little bit. And yeah, as long as the Vikings don't have to play on Monday night again this season, <laughs> yeah, um, they'll be all right. I mean, what, when the Eagles play the Commanders next week, obviously they're going to lose hundred to nothing, and then... that game is going to be a disaster. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited for it, honestly. Carson Wentz, you know, going to get his revenge. Um, going to be. I think I, this is just. I think Miles Sanders is going to have a huge game. I can't shake this feeling. Impossible. Impossible. Defense, too good. Uh... <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think those are the only games we really need to talk about this week. Um, any other thoughts before we go to our overreactions? On to New York. All right. Uh, oh, you want to talk about the Giants? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we like did that at the beginning, kind of. Um, they could be the worst three and O team ever, so that's cool. Well, they're they're only two and O right now. Um, I know. If they beat the Cowboys this week, right? Because they they almost got booed at actually. I think on red zone when they were cutting to Daniel Jones running in the tunnel for halftime, there was a fan like uh, trying to punch him in the face or something. <laughs> If he was close enough, like this fan wanted to kill Daniel Jones. It was kind of funny to see. Like, that's how badly they were playing in the first half. The right. offense wasn't moving at all. That is crazy. They also play the Bears in week four. They could be God. 4 0. I mean, I don't think any Giants fans are thinking that they're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a, a proxy 4 0. I also, I'm curious. I Who thought it was. Know just... They're going to be 4 0. I thought it was just like a 9-11 thing when Brian Dayball was wearing the like the fire department of New York hat. Isn't that what he's wearing? I think so. He wore it last week too. And now I'm just like, is that going to be his attire? Is he doing it because they won and it's like keeping the street going or? I uh, could not tell you. Superstitious. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get Brian Dayball on the pot. And, uh, All right. I know. Yeah. All right, overreaction time. Reed, go. All right, I've got a few, but one of them's kind of out there. So, um, I think Bobby Hart murdered Lael Collins, and then got <laughs> facial reconstruction surgery to look like Lael Collins, and then joined the Bengals because that's how bad Lael Collins looks. <laughs> You think that's out there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that Nick Cage movie, they did it. Yeah. Smart faces. 
But for real, it is funny that uh, Bobby Hart was in the news this week for uh, punching a coach in the tunnel and is now suspended for a game. So that kind of throws some water on my theory, <laughs> but but you never know. Where Where is Bobby Hart now? He's on the Bills. Oh, nice. He's a backup tackle for the Bills and doesn't play. Still somehow got Bobby into it. <laughs> the Titans coach and punched him in the tunnel. <laughs> we know he doesn't play. We were just saying how good the Bills are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. My other one is I think Jimmy Haslam should not ban that fan that threw an empty plastic water ball out, a water bottle at him um, because in his own words, people deserve second chances. And uh, that guy's a hell of a fan. So <laughs> how dare Good. we? All right, Pep, you got your overreaction? Yeah, and I was just thinking about this one today and knew immediately I'm going to sound very uninformed when I say it, and there are tons of arguments to make against it, which makes it like the perfect overreaction. Uh, I'm just annoyed by this whole, where is Odell Beckham going to sign? <laughs> and I just think it's so annoying, and it's I can't even bring up like instances where this has happened in past seasons where like there's this big-name guy, but he's kind of – past his prime um, waiting to sign with a team for the quote right situation. Um, and that's kind of like the narrative with this Odell Beckham thing. Where is he going to sign right now? And I just don't, no matter where he signs, if he signs, it's just not going to be good. Yeah. Even though, you know, he went to the Rams and had that great postseason run with them, which is why I sound stupid here. But like, I think that's done. That magic there is done. And wherever Odell Beckham signs, he's going to play like one snap. It definitely feels. Yeah, he'll probably sign with Tampa Bay. Let's be honest. <laughs> I think he's going to go back to the Rams. It does seem destined to be underwhelming, though. Yeah, I mean, he, he's coming off another big injury. He's had, you know, so many. Uh, I, I definitely see that happening. It's almost like Adrian Peterson signing with another team, <laughs> but hey, like Adrian. four years, four or five years ago. Hey, Adrian he's Peterson. He's like, oh, I'm just waiting for the right situation. <laughs> Adrian Peterson was good there at the end. Had some good seasons for the Commanders. Even his last season with the Lions wasn't wasn't bad. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of examples, but I don't. Therefore, it's that's, just a crappy overreaction. That's fair. <laughs> um, my overreaction, uh, we kind of uh, Reeve kind of stepped on it a little bit earlier, but um, I'm saying uh, Cliff Kingsbury is the uh, worst coach in football. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, cause... not Zach Taylor. <laughs> Because, like, legitimately, like, that, that uh, it seems like every time we try to, they, the only way that offense is good is when they just throw out the playbook. Um, you know, even we were making jokes about in the preseason in the Ravens game when uh, they let Kyler Murray Cole plays in the second half, then the offense was way better. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's preseason. We were mostly joking there, but. I don't know. I, I, maybe he should just let Kyle Murray call the plays because um, uh, this offense just doesn't seem to work uh, when there's structure. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just that. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I think they need, like, I remember I was excited when Cliff Kingsbury was first hired, and I'm still a little, uh, little salty about this because I – because they drafted Andy Isabella, uh, you know, ahead of DK Metcalf and, you know, Terry McClure and, uh, you know, and I was like, all right, I, I get it. I'm not like that high on 
Andy Isabella as a player, but I drafted him Dynasty thinking there was a reason that Cliff Kingsbury did that because he had like a plan for Andy Isabella to use him kind of creatively in their offense, and they were going to kind of manufacture touches, sort of like, you know, a Cooper Cup, a Debo Samuel, somebody like that. I mean, he's not really like similar to those type of players, but I'm saying just having a creative role for him. Um, and they did nothing with him. They, they didn't even try to use him like in any sort of creative way. Um, not that I think, you know, that like, oh, Andy Isabella would have been a great player if they had just done that. But it's like, why why did you draft him then? And and not only that, they drafted his proxy after that, Andy Baselia. <laughs> they have Andy Isabella and Andy Baselia, or however you say it. It's just like, is that I'm I'm going through DraftKings, like, is that the same person? You accidentally <laughs> just, them twice. It's just a typo. It's just a typo. <laughs> They're both the same price. They both have basically the same name. Yeah, and that's just like one example, but it's just like I, I've come to like not expect anything from you know. Cliff Kingsbury offense, which is pretty disappointing. I mean, it makes it's sense. It's not like he was even good in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just really used to look forward to Cardinals games. Now I really don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really like it's hard to watch their offense. It's like every time I just hope that Kyler Murray is going to do one of those like crazy plays, and it's like if he doesn't, then that play is not going to be fun to watch. It's like, oh, now you're just giving Daryl Williams all the touches here? What's going on there? It's like the only way this offense can be good if uh, Kyler Murray runs like 80 yards on every play. <laughs> I don't think it's a sustainable um, way to run your offense. Probably not. Unless it's Madden 2005 with Michael Vick. That strategy <laughs> is usually... Yeah, turn off fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that'll that'll work out. All right. Well, another successful week on the Pro Football Jokes podcast. We are here uh, looking forward to week three. Um, Commander is going to destroy the Eagles, as uh, we already told you. Um, and uh, Giants are going to go to 3-0. and So, uh, yeah, let's all, uh, all get ready to watch that. We're all excited. We will catch you next time. Pro Football Jokes. Make it uncomfortable.